me and Chike coming from a club and he called me and I, and he was like, I want to, uh, let's do it Sunday. <laughs> That's what he said. Let's do it Sunday. I'm so like, this is Friday at 4 a.m. And then he Friday. said like this coming Sunday, two days this later. Like, coming Sunday. And then I was like, the one thing about Kanye, he don't like for nobody to say they can't do nothing. And I oh, know no. that. So I'm like, okay. I said, well, we got to shoot in <laughs> Chicago. Now, mind you, we in New York, here in LA. I mean, we got to shoot in Chicago. He was like, all right. He ain't called us back to like 6 p.m. that day with his credit card number after we didn't did all of this, you know, getting film and calling people and arranging to go and and uh, B&H clothes on us. So we had to call right. uh, L.A., get the, the film shipped to uh, Chicago, get our plane tickets. We went to Chicago that Saturday. We did location scouting. We taught the kids how to do Jesus Walks. We did all, everything we did in one day, and we shot Sunday. And they said ours was the best out of the three. Welcome to Overshare, a show where I interview creatives I admire about the struggles of being a creative professional. I'm your host, Justin Genak, and I'm also the co-founder and CEO of Working Not Working. Now, this is episode nine of the season, which means we only have one more left to go. Uh, but don't worry, we already have a bonus episode scheduled, so there's at least two more left to go. Uh, but... I've been really proud of all of the uh, everything we've gotten out this season. We've done nine out of the ten interviews remotely. Uh, I've done ten out of the ten voiceovers, hunched over with terrible posture here in my closet in a little box of pillows uh, with a mic hanging from them. It's you know it's makeshift, but it's working. Uh, I hope everyone's doing all right. I uh, I feel so so thankful that I am not going through this alone. I have my girlfriend Ashley here. We're keeping each other sane and having fun. And I also have my fucking amazing team at Working Out Working that has been stepping it up huge. I could not be prouder. I get emotional like once a week just thinking about how proud I am of them and what they've been doing for the community to support creatives and, and to help people get through this. And, you know, I know not everyone has that the, the, the luxury and are as fortunate to uh, be going through this with someone else. And my heart goes out to all of you who are, you know, rolling solo in uh, the social distancing time. So if anyone needs to talk, feel free to hit me up on my Instagram at Justin Genak to send me a DM and I'm happy to chat with you and, you know, even get on like a 15 minute call. If you want to talk about work or career or shitty Netflix shows, I'm happy to do that. So definitely hit me up. Now, before we get going, uh, I would love to have you please subscribe, rate and review Overshare. It's the way that we bump up in rankings and help other people discover the podcast. And, you know, if you hear something in here that, you know, I think would really help someone out. You know, share the episode with a friend. Uh, I'm sure they would appreciate it as well. You can also go to our Instagram at Overshare Talks where there's a bunch of um, videos and sound bites from each episode that you can share as well. Uh, they're super fun collages that were done by our designer, uh, Eugene, who has been knocking out of the park. So check those out. I'm sure you'll enjoy them as well. And you can also follow Working Not Working on Instagram at WNotW. Now, let's get into this episode. I just loved this conversation with directing duo Clarence Cootie Simmons and Chike Oza, better known as Cootie and Chike. Uh, they have so much infectious, positive energy and great perspective from all their years in the business. They first started collaborating and got their break directing Kanye West's music video Through the Wire. Uh, and then his next two music videos, Two Words and Jesus Walks. And that Jesus Walks video, you heard the story a little bit at the top here, but that video they had less than two days to put together and shoot and make happen with almost no budget, and it turned out to be a classic. And 
The music videos kind of just happened by chance since Cootie had been shooting a bunch of footage of Kanye's early rise before he had a record deal, before he'd even moved to New York. So back in the Chicago days when he was just producing, was was documenting everything that was going on. And he had uh, been talking to Kanye about a music video and he thought of his friend Chike, who he'd been hanging out with and who worked at MTV, was doing motion graphics, and they hit him up and they made it happen. And I just love that Chike, when he was going to uh, SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design, he had told his friends that his goal was to work at MTV, meet an artist, and make a music video. And then that happened within a couple of years. Uh, So he had to come up with some new goals. But uh, after working with Kanye, the videos kept coming for them. They did Pitbull's video of Kulo, which uh, still is stuck in my head. They did uh, videos for Erica Badu, Most Def, and Lupe Fiasco. And then they went on to direct a ESPN 30 for 30 doc, Benji, um, about Chicago basketball star Ben Wilson. They did a documentary, Muhammad Ali, The People's Champ. And then they just released a couple weeks ago, A Kid from Coney Island, which is about Stefan Marbury. Now, in this episode, you will learn that not having the time or money or resources to make great work are just excuses. And you'll also learn wherever your happiness is coming from right now, that's what really matters. And we had a lot of fun in this conversation that happened to be on Chike's birthday. So again, happy birthday to Chike. Uh, his mom was making a killer brunch in the background, so you'll hear a little bit of that, but apparently she's an amazing cook. So uh, was jealous of that. And he was also throwing up, Chike was throwing up Zoom backgrounds for everything we were talking about. And so uh, hopefully we'll release this as a video at some point so you can see all of those. He was on point as the art department. And Kudi also announced his low-key dream to come out with a whistling album, <laughs> like actual whistling. Uh, but he just said, said he needs like 8,900 more hours to practice before he becomes a professional. So there's a bunch of great insights and just packed full of positivity. And uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did with Kudi and Chike. Kudi, Chike, welcome. Yep. So excited man, to have you both you. on here. Uh, oh, man. Also, also, happy birthday, Chike. Happy birthday, ah, Chike. Good looking, good looking. We'll, we'll spare you. We won't sing for you, but uh, happy birthday. It's <laughs> exciting. How, how, how does it feel? It's, it's a little weird. Birth, it's a weird time to have a birthday. But yeah, I mean, it's, be- it's cool. I mean, I guess I'll, I'll always remember this birthday, so that's kind of cool to be memorable. Memorable, mm-hmm. right? So nice. Yeah, I got know. my I got my fortieth coming up in two months, so hopefully we'll be oh, out of dope, this by then. Dope. But yeah, I'm, I'm 42, so we all uh, together in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, happy birthday! Uh, now we met at Worlds in what Long Beach back in September, and I went to your yeah. workshop, which was incredible, and. Uh, I know we had a conversation after about it and, you know, I'm just excited. We finally got to make this happen. Uh, the one thing from your, your workshop, I just thought like there was a lot of prompts you guys had for people to share in the room and there was some Mm -hmm. heavy stuff, vulnerable stuff being shared. It was, it was pretty incredible. And then you're hearing your Mm -hmm. story also, like I, I just took away, like you guys are all about positivity serendipity and adaptability. And mm-hmm. I just think there's a lot of stuff we're going to touch on today and talk about. But, you know, I think for our audience of creative folks, uh, I just know your story will resonate and, you know, got I'm excited to sit down and talk to you. Oh, man. Dope. Sure. Dope. Thank you. We're happy to be here. I appreciate you right. for giving the space on your platform to be able to, to just break bread, you know? Yeah. Well, this is uh, yeah. maybe like we start off every episode with, uh, just to kind of warm things up, uh, five random questions from a random receptacle. And mm-hmm. so today I brought brought out one that's familiar from my collection. 
I got it. <laughs> I got the vinyl of college dropout, and uh, I'm gonna pick some questions out, and we'll just get going in just nice, easy warm ups. So let's see. Okay. All right. Uh, maybe we'll start with you, the birthday boy, Chike. Uh, what's your guilty pleasure? Oh man, my guilty pleasure would definitely be hitting up craft cocktail bars i'm a fan of a good craft cocktail so okay when i'm in new york like whether i'm at dutch kills doughboy in jersey city like uh one of kudinai's uh favorite bars is pegu so i'm always like looking for death and co like Mm -hmm. yeah craft cocktail have you been to uh pouring ribbons nah in the east village that's a good spot too i haven't pouring ribbons yeah it's really good i'm gonna have to check that out as soon as we come under this this, this, uh, this stay-at-home situation, yeah. How about you, Cootie? You got a guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure would have to be, uh, I guess, pretty much the same. If, if drinking is a, is a guilty pleasure, but I actually make good drinks. I uh, I consider myself a, a mixology, a mixologist by trade. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you, do you, <laughs> what's your hobby what's, more so. What's your go-to? Like, if you have people over and you got to make a good cocktail for them, what, what what's the one you know is a home run? I do a cilantro uh, margarita. All right. Banging. Mezcal. Mezcal cilantro margarita. Cucumber jalapeno. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Second question is, in high school, you should have been voted most likely to what? We'll go with uh, (laughs) Chica. You want to start? I should have been voted based on how I was in high school. Yeah, or how you are now. Oh, oh man! I feel like being how I am now. I should be like most likely to. I feel like to win an Oscar. <laughs> That's what I, like I feel that. like now. But that that was definitely not the case <laughs> when I was in high school. <laughs> probably like most likely to be distracted and never wind up falling into anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how it, it starts off like that and it turns its way, it turns itself around. <laughs> right. How about you? Could he- I guess most likely to. Uh, to be a uh, a movie star, okay. Because you yeah. had like a uh, you, you you had a comedy background, so you were probably like funny guy in high school and yeah, yeah. Um, we used to host the talent shows every year, and um, I was a you know I was disruptive in class, but I had the class laughing all the time, you know. But the teacher didn't like it, but she'd be laughing too. So you know, <laughs> you I, got away with it. Yeah. Uh, it's funny though, being on the other side of the camera now, have you done any acting at all? I mean, I did used to do like back when I did comedy, I did a bunch of, um, like independent films that I starred in. So, uh, other than that, a little of it. Yeah. You dabbled. Yeah. Yeah. A little dabble here and there. Uh, I used to, yeah, I got mentored by Jimmy Spinks, who was my mentor. If you remember Car Wash, the big guy in Car Wash, the old Mm -hmm. movie, seventies movie. Yeah. He was my mentor, so he uh he had me work with this other uh, acting coach named Coral Johnson in Chicago, which I was I was really one of the best in my class, and uh and it was this guy Carl Seaton who who's a, a huge director now he did a he did uh he actually got nominated for uh NAACP Image Award for his episode of um of um Snowfall. Carl okay. Seaton, but they were both in my class and they, they first movie, they didn't even cast me in it. I was bad. I'm like, hey, wait, I'm the best <laughs> in the class. I y'all not going to cast me? 
in y'all movie, but then they kind of cast you, but like in a weird. Yeah, they they kind of cast me. They were like, "Cool, we, we want you to come be on the poster," and I'm like, "Okay." So I went and took the picture um, for the poster, thinking it was the movie poster. I'm like, "Why they want me on the poster?" But it was really the whole movie was called One Week, and it was about HIV. So I was the happy family that that uh, that was living with HIV. So <laughs> so like, you what? so you got the art department role. You were just exactly, like in, exactly. in the art. Okay. Exactly. Uh-huh. But then my brothers, Kenny Young and uh, Carl Seaton are my brothers regardless. But yeah. Oh, that's so. funny. Now, all right. Next one from uh, the college dropout question. Uh, if you could steal one piece of art to hang in your home, what would it be? Cody, we'll start with you. One piece of art? Oh, the uh, Ernie Barr Sugar Shack, uh, the original Sugar Shack with Marvin Gaye in one of the, on one of the banners. That's oh, the nice. one that I would definitely have well you guys you guys talked about that in your uh in your workshop right yeah 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 Uh, was a mentor of ours before he passed and um and he also you know was just an inspiration you know growing up watching good times like chike just had the right right back (laughs) (laughs) right so you know and that's like one of the for you know you you know you did we didn't see art in my neighborhood like that so when my father came in with the Marvin Gaye album cover with that mm-hmm. on the front, and I got to really just sit and look at that album cover, that's when I realized, like, oh, wow, this is amazing. I would love to have, you know, and I consider him JJ, JJ's art around my house, which is the right. character of Good Times. But, you know, come to find out it was Ernie Barnes. And then, long story short, we met and got to know Ernie Barnes really good and, you know, actually filmed Ernie Barnes doing Kanye's painting. So That's cool. You guys had a crazy story story about serendipity and shooting in his old studio and you know mm-hmm. i don't even know if we have if you want to get into it at all but it was a kind of a nice is there a, a two-minute version of that that story you could go into because i was just blown away by it of uh, arnie Barr's story yeah oh yeah i mean i mean just the fact of how we met uh arnie Barnes and and in the studio and his nephew, Marcus Gradney came and was like, my uncle was Ernie Barnes. I'm like, Ernie Barnes, a painter. He even couldn't believe we knew it. he was a painter, but he wound up bringing two autobiographies signed by Ernie Barnes, gave one of me and one of Kanye. And J. Ivy, the poet was looking through the, uh, through, you know, we didn't, he was looking through the autobiography and he was like, wait a minute, Ernie Barnes, he, he's a, uh, was a professional NFL football player. We like, what? So we all looking at the book. And then next thing we know, G. Robeson, Kanye's manager, walks in a room with a throwback Ernie Barnes jersey on. Just randomly. Just randomly. We looked up. We was like, that's Ernie Barnes. Barnes on the back, the number. And G. Robeson was like, nah, I was wondering who, who jersey this was. And he just had it. That's amazing. Just had it on. Exactly. That day. So things like that. And then a quick, a quick story when we, we, you know, we had do an exhibit at the pass every year. And this last year that we did it, because now now we've been doing them in museums, but we the last year we did it, uh, and Bill Withers was there. Rest in peace, Bill Weather, mm. Withers. But as they was really best, really good friends. But we got an Airbnb, and our Airbnb wound up being the the same apartment from 1967 to 1974 that Ernie Barnes was the superintendent, and he his office and and his and his family lived in that apartment building and he was a superintendent we let we were staying in between his his uh his house and his office so that was like and we was there for ernie barnes right 
you know, and, ju- and just randomly. Yeah, it's all randomly. Ran- yeah. Like, you know, we, cool. we, we say everything happened for a reason. And, and you know, we, we real spiritual. So we understood what it was. You know, I feel like it was Ernie Barnes, like, you know, just making sure we was we was straight. And then then his uh, yeah. blues, Rodriguez, his 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 assi- assistant, who now runs the estate. She she showed us the car. We like what the same address. And then she showed us a picture. She said, let me show you the picture of the carport. And that day early, I just found out what a carport was. Chike told me he was like, I think it's a garage in the front because we couldn't find parking. <laughs> and she brought the picture. And then we like, oh, that's crazy. So where we was parking was the carport because he painted that picture in the carport. But Luz didn't know where that paint was. She was like, I don't know where that paint is. And then two weeks later, the paint goes up for auction and we own it right now. So, oh wow, yeah, congratulations! Crazy. So, Ernie so Barnes gave us that from heaven. Oh, that's yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. Chike, you got a piece of art you would you would steal for your home? Or are, you, are you guys fighting over that one painting? <laughs> no, he got a bunch. <laughs> of them. We got a bunch, but this is one artist uh, that I really like, Michelle uh, Abney. Let me see if I can. I'm going to show you a piece of her. If you um, keep putting up whatever you're talking about as your background, you're going to be like, this is going to be the best episode. This is amazing. Also, <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we recording this episode? <laughs> yeah. So, so we're, yeah, we're recording the video, which at some point we'll put on our, our YouTube or our Instagram stories or blo- our, uh, yeah, Instagram live, uh, okay. our Instagram TV. And then, uh, you know, the podcast will come out first though. All right, so uh, I won't just be laying down. Then. <laughs> hey, this is uh, this is different times. You gotta be you gotta be comfortable. That's good. So this is artist that like man, I love her work. Her name is Nina Chanel Abney, and um, I don't know, just she just deals with a lot of. She does a lot of sports actually too, but she deals with a lot of pieces that are just deal with like a lot of cold, like a lot of. Deals with a lot of political re- relevance, but just kind of like cultural, political, pop culture. Um, but I really just love her color blocking and stuff like that. Like just as a visual, uh, just visually, it's just aesthetically beautiful. So awesome. I'd have to say, um, I'm going to put up one of her joints so you can see the example of she's dope. Awesome. We'll go on to the, we'll go on to the next question while you find that, put that up. Um, all right. What was your favorite album as a teenager? Maybe a CD or an album. Could you? Mm. You got one favorite album. I, 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 I mean, as a, as an early teen, uh, LL Cool J. Uh huh. What was the name of it? I'm bad. Is, is it I'm bad? That was that album. We had I, I need love and all that on it. Uh-huh. I'm not so sure that, exactly, that but my, yeah, that was one of my favorite albums for sure. You know, hip hop albums. Yeah. My father used to play all kinds of. You know, uh, like I said, the Marvin Gaye album and Curtis Mayfield. So I love those. Mm-hmm. But I think when I seen LL, uh, that album, that was like for me, you know, so uh, um, that's one of my favorites back then. Awesome. TK, oh, he's got the art up. Well, well, and we'll <laughs> to that. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's the artist, man. Oh, it's beautiful. So good. I'll link to her work yep. in the show notes, too, so people can check it out. You said what? Uh, I'll link to her uh, her work in the show notes uh, of the podcast so people can check that out. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I can uh, afford one of her pieces one day. Do you uh, <laughs> do you have a favorite album when you were a teenager? I hundred percent have a favorite album when I was a teenager. That would definitely have to be um, Big Daddy Kane. 
sexual chocolate. I just okay. I don't know. It was like, <laughs> but he had that Dolomite skit on there. <laughs> it was like that. That was insane. Funny so Dolomite, I used to bump that. Dolomite's coming back now. Yeah, you know, and then the movie came back. But that yeah. was my joint, man. Like right. that album. Oh my god. Oh, that's cool. All right, we got the last question here. Uh, what was your favorite food as a kid? My favorite food as a kid. I mean, uh, you might want to go Chike first. I got to think about my favorite. Oh yeah, food I said sexual chocolate. Taste the chocolate. Taste <laughs> I just knew it. There it is, right there. <laughs> so we're gonna be like the new, you're gonna be the new Zoom poster boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, my favorite food growing up. I'm from New Orleans, so it's it was and still is a fried oyster po' boy. Man, I've never had one. I can't get enough. Oh man, you got to try one. It's the best thing ever. I get mine dressed: lettuce, pickles. Some people just do it on bread with butter, pickles. My mother just likes hers butter pickles. But me, and it's got to be the right type of French bread, crunchy, not too airy, but crunchy, not pulley. You know what I mean? Uh, I like my oysters fried in flour, not cornmeal. There's a whole thing to it, but yeah. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> I've never been to New Orleans, but that's on my list. As soon as we uh, we get back to normal, I want to I want to head down there and check it out. Oh, uh, yes, right. We got to come first trip. I'll have I'll have it set out for you too. All right, sounds good. How about you, Cootie? And I say mine was uh, my mother's banana pudding. Oh, had to be. Ah. And I, you know, and I, I don't eat dairy, so she haven't figured out how to make it a non dairy one. So I haven't had it in so long, but. By far, my mother's banana pudding was my favorite. Mine was my grandmother's chocolate banana cake. Nice. And, I, and when you mm. when you when you have those foods that you like, like I like Chica, you talk about like the nuance of the bread. Like mm-hmm. I used to know if my grandmother made it. I once asked her, she's like, "How is it?" And because she make it for all of our birthdays, and she's like, "How oh, how is it?" I'm like, "It's good," but the bananas could have been ripe one more day. And she's like, "How the hell did you know that?" You know. And she's like, "Yeah, I, I didn't have enough time to get them early enough." And, uh, but it's, it's that, it's like, you know, those foods so well. Right. Oh man. Nice. Now I'm just like, look at you. He's got po' boys up there. This is dressed pickles, lettuce, tomatoes. <laughs> Y'all got to show me how to do this. <laughs> how, how, to do this <laughs> how to put the backdrop. Well, I want to figure, I, I just want to get into your backstory a little bit. Like how did you guys come to, to working together? Oh man. Well, I, I could start with, I, I, you know, coming from Chicago when Kanye moved to New York, um, I, I knew I had to get out there because I was documenting him in Chicago. So I wanted to document him and, you know, his growth. And I seen him working with Jay-Z and Beanie Siegel and all these people. So thank God, uh, God, you know, helped me to get out to New York. And when I moved out, uh, you know, we I'm day-to-day with Kanye. He working on College Dropout. And and then uh, MTV got wind uh, that I was documenting him, had all this footage. So Yasmin Richards... Um, she called me in to, to help do the you hear it first, you know, right when they heard oh, him, yeah. he didn't even sign with with Rockefeller yet. He was about to sign, but uh, but they knew it was gonna happen, so they called me in and and then Yasmin was like, I want you to meet, you know, all the, you know, black people at MTV <laughs> you know, that's working. <laughs> I'm like, word. So I met Chike and Sway and Caduce, but Chike was uh you know, when I met him and I see what he was doing, he showed me things on, you know, doing motion graphics. I'm like, this dude cold with it, right? So, you know, that was it. And then we, you know, kept in touch and we would kick it. And 
you know, party. I would kick with his with his uh, roommate, Warren Oliver, we call him Snoop. So I, I would be with him and then Chike, all of us, you know, they'd come to my parties. I was throwing parties at the time, but they'd come through them parties. And, you know, we just got real cool. And when Kanye uh, had the car accident and we came up with an idea for Through the Wire, we just mm-hmm. needed somebody to help us execute the idea and help us, you know, bring it to life. So I was like, man, I do Chike, do motion graphics at MTV. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to call him. So I called Chike like, yo, we have no money, uh-huh. but we got a great idea. And uh, he's, he's like, like, I got I'm you. Uh-huh. I'm in. And that was, that was the start. He fired up his After Effects and went to town. Oh, yep, yeah. You're exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that, vid- that video was so groundbreaking. I, I, wa- I rewatched that video and a few of your others last night. And I watched Benji last night, which we'll get into. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the time, like, yeah, you know, when you were watching videos in MTV, you were watching making the video and there's million dollar budgets for like a Diddy video and for like all right. these, everyone right. one up in each other, one up in each other. How many, how big is the house and how big is the pool? And oh, let's go on a yacht now. And then yeah. all of a sudden through the wire comes around and it's, you could not get more disruptive from what you were seeing on the air from what mm-hmm. people were doing to what you guys did. And was that intentional or was that just the constraints of the budget? Like what was the, was there more intentionality behind it? Or was it just like, this is the idea we're going to make it and, well, Not well, even worrying I, about I what know, else is out there. <laughs> I let Chige talk too, well, but I'll say first, because uh, I know that that was his idea, period, to to do when he started working at MTV. But I but uh, I know when Kanye, when we would watch high wind videos and he was doing the three-quarter inch screens, yeah. uh, Kanye didn't like that. you know. So I'm like, well, let's put ours in a Polaroid. And he was like, yeah, let's do the whole through the wide video like that. And that's when we called Chike, but Chike's whole thing was that. Go ahead, Chike. I mean, like, to Cootie's point, like, my, 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 like, goal in life was to do music videos. Like, when I was in college, um, I wanted, I was, like, said to myself, I'm going to work at MTV. Well, I even said to myself, I told other people, I'm going to work at MTV when I get out of school. And I, my goal was to meet an artist and do a music video. And it's crazy how that actually happened. But I just always wanted to redefine uh, music videos because... I was definitely inspired, like Cootie said. Hype Williams was an inspiration of mine. I love like what he was doing with all those Busta Rhymes videos. Oh, yeah. But then I also like uh, directors like Chris Cunningham and like Tim Hope. And I went to like a private school. Like I grew up in the hood, but I went to like a private school. So at the private school, a lot of kids were listening to like Tool and these Megadeth and just crazy heavy metal stuff. And so like I was interested in some of the out the box concepts that some of the metal videos were doing. And I saw like the lack of that in hip-hop videos except mm. for like some of the work that hype was doing and some other the contemporaries um were doing and then i was like man it's got to be a way to like merge these two and do like really out the box um and then that's when the whole motion graphics come going to school the whole goal was to combine like all these mixed medias and, and create music videos out of them so yeah when uh when kind when cootie called me with the concept I knew that they were down to think out the box like that that's when i smelled the opportunity you know what i'm saying i was already familiar with kanye as a producer how old were you so, at the time? Um, oh, I had to have been, what, like 22, maybe? Yeah. yeah. 22. I love like that. that. I love it. Because you went to SCAD yeah. in, in Georgia, right? Yeah. 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 My, and I majored in motion graphics. I, I was already, I, I got, jumped all over the place. I was like industrial design. And like then I was like video and film. But then we were shooting more film in motion graphics. And then I liked the whole concept of understanding just graphic design. So, yeah. So, that was my background. So, it just made sense. Like, 
when Cootie called me. And they were surprised because like we have no money, you know. But I was like, nah, like I'm just go. You know, you're thirsty, you're young. Yeah, this is the moment you're waiting for. You know what I'm saying? So this would, yeah. especially putting that out into the world. This was your shot. You're like, yeah, you got so, so, yeah. And also, like, I think when you're when you're unknown, there's such unknown as an artist and unknown as a a creative. Like, there's that desire to do something that's definitely going to cut through and 100%. be totally different than everything else. So 100. percent Yeah, I remember that's sitting great. at MTV, like like still working there and just seeing our video, like on the on the um. TV because we had the TV, you know, on the 10th floor, we had those TVs to look at stuff. So you were still was, working at MTV yeah. when that video was on air. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you got to realize we were sneaking in MTV to make the video. That's, That's right. Because you probably, we'd be, we'd be, your all machine night. was the strong one. It was the powerful, like, probably old Mac Pros. Yeah. Oh, no. We had the whole building on, you know, your Viacom. So your HBO, your VH1. So, like, we had flame artists that was doing stuff freelancing over there. So, like, they were our friends. So we'd go in. My boy Jason would sneak us in the flame room late night and we're doing stuff on flame that would cost you, you know, X amount of dollars. At the time, flame was super expensive. Well, it was like a thousand dollars an hour, right? Yeah, like an when, hour. Yeah. 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 So we're getting flame work done. We're, there. we're up in there till like seven in the morning, including the niggas to go home. I got to go to work. I'm <laughs> well, how long did it take you guys to make that video? Man, over two months for sure. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's Yeah. That's, yeah. That's great, yeah, and it got it got it got a lot of attention, a lot of acclaim, and then like, did so? How how soon after were you guys doing the next videos for Kanye? Where you did two words and you did uh, Jesus walked, yeah. right? Yeah, the yeah. Plan, was, plan was for us to do all the videos, but that didn't happen. But um, yeah, so we did two words after that, which we was pretty much kind of working on as we were finishing through the wire, you mm -hmm. know, just collecting footage and coming up with ideas and. Jesus Walks, the one that we did do, he he did three versions of Jesus Walks, but the one that we uh that we got to do after he did the first two for one point two million, we did ours for nothing but no. <laughs> but we uh but we um you know, he called us to do it, you know, but that treatment was 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 done way before through the wire, way before he had the car accident. That was one of the first treatments that we worked on. Cause he wanted Dave Chappelle to uh, play Jesus in a video, and um, so we had that treatment just sitting back. And then when he did the other two videos, he didn't like them. He said there wasn't no soul. He wanted to do the one we wrote. So I'm like, let's do it. He was like, okay, bet. And and I'm like, when you want to do it? Now, mind you, this Friday early morning, Friday like 4 a.m. in the morning, me and Chica coming from a club, and he called me, and I and he was like, I want to uh, let's do it Sunday. <laughs> That's what he said. Let's do it Sunday. I'm so like, this is Friday at 4 a.m. And then he Friday. said, like, this coming Sunday, two days this later. coming Sunday. And then I was like, the one thing about Kanye, he don't like for nobody to say they can't do nothing. And I oh, know no. that. So I'm like, okay. I said, well, we got to shoot in <laughs> Chicago. Now, mind you, we in New York, here in L.A. I mean, we got to shoot in Chicago. He was like, all right. He ain't called us back to like 6 p.m. that day with his credit card number after we didn't did all of this, you know, getting film and calling people and arranging to go and, and, uh, B and H clothes on us. So we had to call right. uh, LA, get the, the film shipped to, uh, Chicago, get our plane tickets. We went to Chicago that Saturday. We did location scouting. We taught the kids how to do Jesus walks. We did all, everything we did in one day and we shot Sunday and they said ours was the best out of the three. <laughs> that he did, that he did. Hey. so yeah, that's God. That ain't nothing, but I say that Jesus directed that. 
<laughs> well, that's like, yeah, on one one thousandth the budget. Oh, or right. one right. millionth exactly. the budget. Yeah. It's yeah, like, but- well, so, and then there was things that when you guys were talking about the making of that video, there's like some serendipitous things that happened there where you didn't even realize when you were location scouting and you didn't even notice to the edit some of the things in the background, right? Oh, man, like the church. That was my boy, uh, Lump. We called him Lump. It was his <laughs> building. They, at the at like 11 o'clock at night, he told us to go look at. And we went. We were like, oh, yeah, this is it. So we did, I, that's probably why we didn't see the church. But then looking at the footage after we shot, I'm like, we seen the three crosses right there. So you know that God put that, you know, put made sure we had that church right there and, and used that building. And it just like man, it's, it it was a lot that happened that day that uh that that helped me to learn that yeah we we just a tool God is is moving he the, did we you get, the one did, we just a tool doing did you give mm-hmm. God an art director credit on the on the on the video <laughs> I, I should have huh because <laughs> he did art director and that's, <laughs> that that shot right there what you ain't got that's uh GLC and the guy right there that playing Jesus me and him had a TV show called Channel Zero that we started in the 95 and, um, and I was the host and he was always on the camera and now he's on the camera and I'm, and I'm directing me and Chica directing <laughs> this, but that's Danny Swords. He, uh, mixed black and white and kind of wanted that yeah, mix for good. Jesus. So yeah. Did, did, uh, and if anybody wants to look up, can people find channel zero footage on YouTube and stuff now still? Yeah. Channel zero TV. Yeah. Uh, guys, check channel it out. Zero. There's some, there's some crazy old footage of just like, all your favorite stars from, was it mainly oh, yeah. Chicago rappers or was it like other people from around no, the country? it was everybody. Whoever came to Chicago, uh, right. bust around me when we, we snuck in. Cause we used to sneak in the concert. That was our whole thing, <laughs> you know, cause we had credentials. So we like, let's sneak in. And we, we snuck in Busta Rhymes joint and <laughs> he came out the dressing room and he, he snapped on us for being out there with the camera. So he told us to race it all. And then we like, okay, so on VHS tapes, you know, you only way you can erase it if you record. So right. we was erasing, but we was recording. So you hear him talking, you know, garbage to us. And then also, you know, giving us some advice and everything. So we aired that. We aired the footage Amazing. from the floor. Amazing. <laughs> and people loved it. Yeah. Well, I think if anybody, even just from these like three stories, if you think you don't have time or money or resources to make shit happen, you're making excuses. Nah. Is that yeah. You already know. Well, I think it also probably is a testament to who you guys are and the the people willing to help you out uh, goes a long mm-hmm. way too. You know, it's like the friends you make. It's like you got to, you got, everyone's got to have a lump and you got to have a, a flame artist that's friends with you and willing <laughs> right. to stick oh, you yeah. in the night and then you can make things happen. Oh you know? man, you already know. And then, so what what came after doing the Kanye videos? You, you did a few more music videos. You did Erica Badu video. You did some Lupe uh, yeah, we was did it Pitbull, made- though. Oh, right. You did Kulo. Kulo. His first video, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, the first out the Kanye was, was Pitbull, then most, most Dev, and then Badu. But yeah. that, that, that song was like the number one song in the world for about 10 years. I know. <laughs> Kulo is everywhere. It's still oh, everywhere. Man. You go yeah. out on a Friday night in New York and you still like, Kulo. It's like, it's just nonstop. Um, it's not going to go away. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, it was crazy. It was a fun video, too, because we shot during Kaye Ocho. Like it was a dope experience down in Miami when we shot that video. Kareem, who produced um, our other videos for us, uh, Kareem, Johnson. After we, Kareem Johnson, super producer. So he produced that for us, and we just had like an amazing time shooting that out in Miami. It was yeah. wow. We Channel Zero shot the behind okay. the scenes footage. And then the Eric, so Erica Badu video. Dope. Uh, 
Ah, right. Yeah, oh, yeah. video was classic. Window seat. Uh, yeah, and so that was all one take. Yeah, one take. Jay Electronica. He um he mentioned to Erica Badu that he should that she should work with us, and um and she was like okay, and then she called us about I want to do a video, and she wanted to strip all the clothes down, and we like huh like, <laughs> like you're oh, like in okay. the studio in the studio yeah like yeah uh, like, no in the streets. She, yeah, she didn't have the, the full idea, but that's what she wanted to do because it was a Matt and Kim video that she uh, referenced. Then they did that in Times Square. So we wound up going to, to Dallas and and shooting that. And I, actually, it was the 10th year anniversary, April 4th, two days ago. Oh, wow. The window seat. Yeah. I think that's nice, too. Like, even at the beginning of the video, they call out Matt and Kim. You know, I think mm-hmm. a, pe- a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, like, you don't want to like take other people's stuff or like, you know, be inspired by or whatever. And to go right. like, Hey, I was super inspired by the work you did. It was powerful. It was amazing. And, mm-hmm. and calling it out and crediting it right at the front of the video is such a, like a, a classy way to do it. And then just go like, nice. Hey, it inspired me and inspired other people. And I, I think mm-hmm. that was, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it, it's very thoughtful. Right. Or, yeah. That was about do. She made sure that we made that happen. Yeah. yeah. And did you guys get any uh, shit for that shooting that video? Nah, um, but you know it, she it wasn't like she did a little bit, but it yeah. was really an introduction to us to how media works. I know that much as far as changing like your words around of what you say to get the story or attract the story. Because I remember I said something, and they ended up like spinning it in a whole different direction, and it was like uh, so. Erica hit us. It's like y'all don't speak anymore. Let me just do all the talking because she knows how to talk when it comes to like. Right understanding how the, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. well, and it's also yeah. right in her own narrative. And it's like, you know, the fact yeah. that she, she knew there would be backlash from it. And that was part of the whole concept mm-hmm, too, mm-hmm, which is, mm-hmm, it's pretty mm-hmm. brilliant. And you, and using, mm-hmm. you know, it was that before social media kind of was right. Yeah. Well, actually I'm going to tell you one thing though, is, um, is we, we were the first video to go digital and MTV where, you know, how did you had the beta? Mm-hmm. So window C was the first and now that that's giant. All, yeah, yeah, we exactly. we, up, we upload we uploaded it through um we uploaded it online through the because uh, usually you have to send the tape into the NOC mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So we did it through like a this digital thing that they hadn't really they had developed but they hadn't they hadn't actually executed it yet. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a push for us to get the video on air. Tuma was the one who made that happen. Tuma yeah. uh, was over at YouTube now, but he was like, Man, we gotta get this on like tomorrow, like now. Let's go. Can y'all get it to so yeah. Well, like, yep. I guess we'll yeah we'll spend seventeen hours uploading this. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> too much. I talked to him the other day when I told him the anniversary was coming up. He's like, "Man, y'all, y'all actually changed the way we do did things at MTV." Oh wow! You know, so I'm like, "That's dope." That's a, that, that's something to be proud of. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And then how did, did you guys, while you were doing all these videos, did you have in mind that you wanted to make some feature films or did that just kind of well, happen? Cootie's always been more interested in making movies. I think just coming from his background of storytelling and doing comedy and actually already acting in, in kind of right. uh, in films and, and helping yeah. produce films and directing, he already was interested in seeing, seeing a bigger picture for us as far yeah. as uh, doing movies and actually owning a network. He had already written this stuff down before we even met as a, like, you know, when he was young, as far yeah. as his goals. Well, when I first moved to New York, that's when I, when I read the book, Keys of Success, and, uh, and, I, and you know, I 
I made sure that, I mean, if the, you know, Kiza says, so you got to have a major goal, major purpose. And I put down to own a network. I just wrote that. And then I started reading more. And, and like I said in our, in our chat, I couldn't read at the time. I'm like, oh, dang, I don't really know how to read. That's words like initiative and different words I didn't know. So I wrote down, I'm on a network. And then after that, I wrote like all the definitions of all these words that I didn't know. So I was learning how to read and learning that, which which I had a lot of the keys, you know, some things I didn't have. But I'm like, oh, that's right. why I, I moved this way. That's why I did that. But that was it. But then, you know, I was, we, like I say, the Through the Wire kind of, I fell into music videos with Through the Wire because my whole thing was was doing a documentary on Kanye. So that was, which Hoop Dreams is, inspired me for that. So that was really mm. why I was, uh, you know, movies and docs was my whole thing in the, in the beginning. And video, music videos wasn't, but Through the Wire, you know, that was opportunity and, and and it happened, and then we all of a sudden became music video directors until we moved into Benji. Yeah, well, that, and that's that's a hard thing where you people keep hiring you to do the thing you've been doing, and so it's nice when people are willing to take a take a risk and go, "Hey, I bet you you could also do this." Was that uh, mm-hmm. did they come to you? Like, how did Benji happen? Someone just reach out, or was that something you guys were pushing for and, and kind of putting out there? Well, when we after after through the wire, his brother uh, Jeffrey Wilson reached out to us about doing a movie, a uh, narrative, and he had a script, and it wasn't all the way right. So we had uh, actually the guy Kenny Young, who I just told you about earlier, write a write one, and then we had this guy Raymond Thomas, he an artist as well. Uh, 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 he uh, he wrote he wrote one as well, but we. We were signed with Charles King at the time, and that, uh, and it, we just couldn't get it going. You know, we kept trying. I mean, five years of trying to get that going. To that's when we focused on us. We like let's focus on us, and that's when we started our production company, Creative Control, and got our website going. And long story short, we ran into Damon Dash, and he had some ideas. We we was launching our website. We were like, let's launch this together with the ideas you got, and we just start creating content and putting it on as a network. And, and we, we launched in 2000, uh, was that nine? And, you know, did some years with Dame and it was good. And we were blowing up and we was kind of like the first two that, that, uh, was working with the, with the, uh, cannons, 5D, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> changeable lenses and all. So, and we were shooting everything. We shot so much. You could tell, talk a little too cheeky about what how that, I mean, it was just a unique time because we had this space down in Tribeca and everybody correlates it with sort of like um, being, you know, we wasn't alive or we wasn't not alive, but we was too young to experience it. I actually wasn't alive for when, whenever Andy Warhol had his yeah. um, space, the factory, or mm-hmm. I was too young. But people compare it to maybe being similar to that, where you have all these different artists from like painters and because we had this gallery space in there to just like random singers, but it was like musicians from different genres of music collaborating. You'd have everybody, you'd have like Zoe Kravitz would come in there, but then most death is in there, but then you got the Black Keys coming in and you wow. got different DJs coming in. So it was just like this crazy, and you had Ski Beats who was just the in-house in there just making beats and every, and he's making beats for everybody, all these different people that are coming in collaborating. So it was like a dope time. We put out so much content and Canon, we got those cameras from Canon so a lot of people just said that we, we, we revolutionized the way you just started shooting music videos because we literally just grabbing the camera and just shooting stuff, you know, without trying to 
uh, wait on more resources to create. We realized like, you know, the, the camera shot good enough. And if you attached good concept and good mm-hmm. story and stuff, you, you could, you didn't need any more than that. Right. Well, and it seems like you're kind of, especially in the early days you, all of your, your kind of MO was scrappiness. And does that get does that get hard to scale when people have an expectation that you're going to be super scrappy and you're going to do things on the cheap and all that? When you're like, as you get kind of further in your career, you're like, well, actually, we'd like to get paid more and we'd like bigger budgets. So if you could just hook that up, that would be real nice. Yeah. Like, how do how do how do you have those conversations? How do you evolve from being the scrappy directors to you know getting get, getting bigger projects and in hopefully bigger budgets? I mean, I feel like we kind of grapple with that a lot because in the beginning, you know, people just want to hire you for, because they don't understand, they don't understand, they just equate a look that feels more just organic. Um, they don't feel like it, even though as good as it in the views and it might be amazing and just because it's getting out of response, but people just don't think that th- there's a lot of production. Right. That goes along. So people just in films and everything, people just equate production value with money. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily equate thought like the, the concept with money, which is that's really what you're paying for. What people don't realize you're really paying for the idea behind what you're doing, because that's what people are resonating with. You know what I'm saying? So people just mm-hmm. look at so don't nobody. Nobody pays you really for like your creativity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. funny because even in the business of directing, it's like. Yeah, it's going to cost this much. And people are like, wait, it's going to cost what? Like, they don't want to, like, yeah, I mean, like, you got to pay for me to direct it. Like, yeah, you're paying for people's time, but you're also paying for us as directors. Like, yeah. for us to actually put thought and wrap our brain around this and what yeah. we're going to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And There's it's a value it's not to just that. An aesthetic, and that value right. is what we decide that value is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it definitely hinged. I mean, I definitely think, like, you know, we were young, so we didn't understand that so much until we did. And then you start to realize like, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with, I don't want to tie race into it, but I think a lot of it does have to do with race in a sense of like, when you're as a black director, there's just a, a low expectation expectation that's already set for you. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard to like grow past that. So like when you're writing treatments and you're trying to, to like pitch concepts that will require things to be more, polished and have higher production value, the it's hard to to get the green light on that because people don't trust that you can actually deliver at that caliber. Or if I'm talking about something out the box is doing animation, like if we want to create something just as left as like as like um Dave Myers is, when we write it down, it's like the perception of it isn't perceived as us executing at the level of what Dave Myers is going to execute at. You know what I mean? So mm. a lot of that comes into play. So um we just realized we had to start being able to like still maintain the soul and organic nature of what we're doing, but how can we bring a level of like of of polish to it, um, or just demand straight up, just be demanding more? Like you know, we know our value and be willing to turn things down. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So there's two ways to do it because you don't want to conform into a into delivering content that doesn't represent that who you are as a creator. There's no reason to just be start doing glossy stuff if that's just not where you, you know, but sometimes you just got to be like, well, we know our worth. So you know what? Nah, we're not going to do, you know what I mean? How bad do you want it? Do you want, okay. Yeah. Play a little hard. Well, I think that's something probably a lot of people are struggling with now when you've got companies and brands asking production companies and agencies like to do 10 times the amount of content for half the budget than they used to give. And everyone just Mm -hmm. going like, Oh, I guess. Okay. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the ability and the courage to say no to things that don't feel right and aligned with your expectations of the work you want to do and your own personal value, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not easy to do, but people, you know, once you can get to that point, it, it, it's got to feel good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think we're passionate too, just about, you know, filmmaking, you know, why we, why we sometimes would have, you know, devalued, I guess, ourselves and did something for, 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 for less than what we should be doing it for just because of the love for the, for the, for filmmaking, you know, so, yeah. but you have to check yourself sometimes as well. Like, wait a minute. Nah, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, uh, you know, we still like, we still shoot, we still do things though, just for the love. So. Yeah. Well, it's like, you, you don't want to sell yourself short and all that too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pa- passion don't pay rent. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Right. Uh, what do you think is like the stamp or the, the, the hallmark of a Kudi and Chike production at this point? I think the stamp is us being able to like create work that I think is meaningful and positive one to just an overarching message. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that we do, we always are, are very particular about what's the end all goal for like moral message behind it. And how is yeah. that going to ultimately be positive towards, uh, you know, to us as humans to, to take, take away from it. But I think always, and then and, and, and knowing that it's always about, well, now how do we connect to people? We always, I think this is just a soul that, and, I, and this kind of goes full circle back to like the work of Ernie Barnes. Like Ernie Barnes did this series when he first, um, did one of his first gallery shows called the, the Beauty in the Ghetto. And him as an artist was able to like identify, you know, we both come from neighborhoods that are kind of trying as far as the neighborhood itself, inner city neighborhoods where Cootie's from, where I'm from. But, mm-hmm. but we always loved it. We didn't know anything other than that. So you always right. saw the beauty in your own neighborhood. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So I think yeah. no matter where life took us, we, was, we still maintain that beauty that comes in maybe harsher scenarios. And so that comes through, I think, when our films, we like to always, I think, bring the, see the beauty in the underdog, see the beauty in things that are less represented and be able to create a platform for those things to be showcased and for people to learn and grow from, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. And to teach also, you know, the, the, yeah. you know, show and teach as well. It definitely, like he, like Chige said, the kids as came up the way we came up to, for them to see other ways out, for them to see people like a Ben Wilson and that that story mm-hmm. and to understand, you know, when you make a, a wrong choice, the, the consequences that can happen. And, you know, to Martin Luther King, you know, just showing this great man, but showing a real Martin Luther King, not what you you know, not what you see, you know, to show how resilient he really was and how brave he really was. So, you know, we like to take them stories and, and, and craft them to, our, to, to show the kids in our neighborhoods that this is, this is what it really is. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's also a testament to the, the stories that you take on. So like the Ben Wilson story, uh, I had no idea about Ben Wilson until I watched that and how he was like one of the top players ever in Chicago. Uh, and then Muhammad Ali, the people's champ, you did that film, that Earl yeah. Lloyd story, the first African-American to play in the NBA. And then you guys have mm-hmm. what tomorrow you got a new, a new yeah. film coming out, right? Yeah. So when this comes out, it'll already be out. People can watch it, but okay. yeah. Wh- how did, how did that come about? Uh, well, it was, you know, it was like, like 
I always say I didn't know much about Stefan. And, and when Nina, well, actually, when we were doing the, the Martin Luther King documentary for BET, Jason Samuel, he uh, was the exec producer over there working that. And him and Nina had a relationship, but him and Stefan also had a relationship because he did a, a story with him for HBO back in the day about him in China. So they were great friends. And, and when Nina was looking for somebody to do the documentary, uh, Jason was like, man, you should call Cootie and Chike. And she FaceTimed us and she was like, okay, let's go. Let's, they need to meet Stefan. What happened just like that? And we and we we like, Nina Bon Jovi, wait, significant film, Forrest Whitaker. Wait, they discovered Ryan Coogler. Black Panther was just was just big in the theaters. Yeah. She called us pretty much almost, but maybe a few months in there, but we was like, wait a minute. And we, you know, our whole goal is to do feature films as well. So we like, and I'm like, wait a minute, if they want to do this, it must be something to Stefan's story. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's when I met his, his, uh, this guy, Kanan Jasper, who's in there. And he was telling me the whole story about his brothers. And I'm like, oh, this is, it's going to be incredible. And, uh, and me and Chike just, you know, we thought it was good. What, what you got to say, Chike? No, I mean, I think that was, I think you pretty much summed it up, but I feel like um, we really connected with Steph in the sense of like, mm-hmm. we all three of us had lost our fathers. We had a, both all three of us very spiritual. And I think, you know, when we first took the story, we didn't know like, okay, I guess it's going to be a good story. But obviously, if Nina and him are into it, it must be a dope story. But then actually meeting him and seeing like where his heart laid at and the impact yeah. he wanted to make, you know, it, it it drove us back to like what we talked about earlier as far as like us wanting to create content that we know positively is going to impact people. And so his story identified with, with, with those pillars that we're always looking to connect with to create a good, you know, something that's going to actually penetrate, but at the same token, bring positivity to in the world and maybe inspire others to, to um, you know, do something. And he was definitely a, a misunderstood athlete in his yeah. day. And I remember even like how big of a deal his sneakers were. Was it the Starberries? Yeah. Where it was yeah. like he, when everyone else was doing $150 sneakers, he did what, $20, $25 sneakers so people could actually mm-hmm. afford them? Yeah. It's like, exactly. What, what a and even guy. now, like you see him, like when he's stepping up, as soon as you know, um, bartering that, barter that situation to be able to use his resource to bring those masks from China over here. Like it's like, you, this is a person that is going to do something like that because he's affecting his community. How mm-hmm. can I help? Oh, we got these masks over here. I can get them over there. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's not too many players that are doing that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, uh, I thought about the other day because I'm like, man, somebody might have talked so much trash in the media about him. Yeah, this man might have these masks that might save the same person that was hating on him's life. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's funny how that comes around. Right. And then, well, and I also think it's like it's it's such a weird time right now when you're talking about connecting with people and and as storytellers. And like the, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on how this is going to change the the creative experience and you know the work that we do because now the entire world has a shared experience that everyone can relate yeah. to. Like, do you mm-hmm. do you see things changing um, as far as the the type of work that you do and and the, the maybe the way that you're connecting with an audience through this or after well, this? Well, I think it's going to, I think it's actually going to see an exponential growth in creativity as far as like people pushing mediums in ways we haven't seen it before. We're already starting to see it. Different ways of telling stories when you, the times you're using the most creative at the times you're the most constricted. 
mm-hmm. we're in a time where we are the most constricted. So like you're forced to to think about things in ways you never would have thought about before. But those are times for innovation. You know what I'm saying? So I think we're going to see some of the most innovative ways of storytelling that we've ever seen. And those are going to just continue because they're going to trump older narratives that were much simpler ways because of convenience. So out of inconvenience, we're going to see um, some amazing ways of, of, of pushing the envelope when it comes to storytelling and narratives. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, that, that, uh, you know, it, everybody had a time to like center themselves. You know, I think the earth needed to center itself, you know, and, and when we come back, I think we're going to move in a, on a pace that's not going to be as, I have to do rush, rush, rush. And, and I think people are going to live more in the now and appreciate things, the, the real things in life that you should appreciate. Cause you know, a lot of people were just in their heads and not living in the now and, mm-hmm. and just moving super fast and just, you know, not thinking half the time before they move. And I think now people are going to really be better, know, at least yeah, be better. Cause exactly. it's like, it's like the world is telling you, like, we can't come out of this and go back and do the stuff exactly the way we were doing it. Our footprint on the planet is, was, was, we were just, we were imposing. We're like, realize now, I think, uh, the guy from The Wire, I can't remember his name, but he put out this piece that he spoke to oh, yeah. that somebody else had written. Michael, and it Michael was ama- something. Michael yeah, something. The, pe- the piece was amazing, though, because it was really let us know, like, yo, we're, the, the earth doesn't need us at all to exist for it to, to continue to, to grow. For nat- it doesn't need us whatsoever. Yeah. And if anything, it's allowing us to, to coexist. It's allowing us to be visitors. But it's like even you have a visitor in a house. You 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 that visitor is welcome as long as they don't overstay their welcome and when they start, but a visitor can't come in and try to change your house, you know what I mean? So exactly. if a visitor starts changing your house and try to tear down walls and do this and this and that, you're only gonna take so much of that before you're gonna kick them out. And uh-huh. so I feel like the earth is like, dude, y- y'all gotta go, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or you gotta, you gotta like make bring my house back to normal again. Yeah, but we well, can't saw- go back to normal. We can't go back to start putting knocking down walls again. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, I saw someone, uh, we, we were doing like a virtual hangout with a bunch of people from our community. And one guy said, well, maybe this is the thing that we need to do to heal the planet. And maybe we'd spend one week a year where the whole world shuts down. And we just right. say, hey, everyone just stays home. You know, you see pollution clearing up in China. You see good things happening. And it's like, what if we just had Earth Week where everyone's forced to stay home legally? But you need like, you know, obviously everyone to agree on it or at least a country at a time. But Maybe that's some of the dramatic steps we need to take. And, and I, I think there's just a really nice time now to reprioritize and appreciate yeah. the, Yo, the, like- the earth is not even exactly. vibrating right now. Like the people that are studying like seismic vibrations and stuff, they actually can read more information about what's going on with just volcanoes and whatnot, because there's no interruption from just excessive amounts of cars on the road. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's crazy. Well, in China, um, the, a guy wrote, he, he said, man, he haven't seen blue skies since he's been born. Wow. Wow. Now you see blue skies in China. That's what's crazy. You got animals that never even came out during a day that were considered nocturnal, but they're yeah. not nocturnal. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like these people. rare species. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. God. It's crazy. It's, 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 it's unfortunate it takes something like this to get us to think that way and to, to appreciate yeah. the things we need to appreciate, but uh, it's, uh, you know, you've got to make the most of it. Well, what's yeah, unfortunate sure. is just it, what, what I think people got to remain humble about because, you know, when you're not directly affected, it's easy to, to speak about, like, you know, 
man, it's, it's a good time we're creating right now. We're doing this and doing right. that. But it's not that great for some people. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like some people are going through it. So we always got to yeah. be, and it can, and you, so you always got to remain humble because you can be put in that same position immediately. You right, know what I mean? That, so, but that goes with people with cancer. That goes with kids everything, shooting each yeah. other in Chicago. You always got to be humble about all that. That, yeah. that goes with everything, you know. That's yeah. what we got to look at. It's, 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 this is just a wake up because we had to shut down. But man, it's, it's, it's people dying all the time in different other ways. Like, I don't see no quarantine to uh, gun shops. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, right. Quarantine. Yeah. Take all the guns, stop guns. Then let's see what happened for the next year. Right. Quarantine for two years. Right, and see what happened. right, right. Quarantine right. The, the bad factories that's making all this meat that's giving people cancer or the cigarette company. Quarantine right. them for two years and see what happened. <laughs> You're right. You know right, that's I mean? right. But, you know, yeah. we're here now yeah. and, and, you know, we're waking up. People are waking up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but then we'll be back with more from Kudi and Chike. Today's episode of Overshare is brought to you by Gratitude. Now, no matter what is going on in your career or life, you are living someone else's dream right now. Whether that's being in the city that you're in or having the privilege of working from home or getting paid to be creative, someone else would love to be in your shoes. So be grateful. And I am so grateful that you're listening to this and I really appreciate it. So thank you for taking the time. And uh, now back to our episode. And we're back. Now, this next section is called This Might Get Uncomfortable. Uh, so I just have some, these are like our oversherry section of the show. So I'm going to ask these to you and then uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. What is one thing you've never shared in an interview before? Um, one thing I never shared in an interview is, um, okay, I'll I, I share it. Um, I'm going to come out with a whistling album. What? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. From fact, real talk, straight, what? straight whistling album. I'm going to, um, you know, Bobby McPherson, watch out, I'm coming. You know, but I, I'm going to come up with it. That's that. That's it. I, I just need uh, eight thousand nine hundred and something more hours. Before I become a fesh- professional, but I'm getting there. Wait, so you you're you're a whistler? Whistler. Let's okay. <laughs> Just a little sub. <laughs> <laughs> I love a whistling album. I would have never guessed that ever. <laughs> he getting his getting his Bobby McFerrin on. It started yeah. as a joke, but then I'm like, you know what? If I keep practicing and practicing. I might be able to do it. So we started doing it. And my sister, she'd be throwing me some. She'd be whistling with me. And we just go with my boy T-Berry. We'd be going at it. But it's it's something fun, you know. Man, Ain't I, no telling what'll happen. This but. seems like this seems like the time to do it. If you're stuck at home, right. you got to start putting down some whistling tracks. Maybe Kanye will produce it for you. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> throw a beat in. Yeah. Right. That's, that's amazing. I would never. I would have never expected that answer. <laughs> All right, Chica, what how about you? How are you? Right. Oh man, I've never nothing crazy, but I'm obsessed with French fries and mayonnaise. Like I love French fries and mayonnaise, which is not in French fries and ranch. I can't really do the ranch no more because I stopped eating dairy, but. And popcorn and raisinettes when I go to the movies. 
Oh, you get yeah, the salty like, and the sweet together. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay. Yeah, and I love, I'm obsessed with popcorn. Like, I'm always, like, my mother and I are always popping. Whenever I come home, um, we're always popping popcorn. But, like, artisanal, like, we're always, like, trying to figure out different spices to put on the popcorn. <laughs> also, yeah. have you ever been to that place, Palm Frites, on 2nd Avenue? Nah. So that's where you can get French fries and a paper cone with all the different flavors of mayo. What? Oh, it's you got to you, you got to okay. have links to both of those. Yeah, I don't know if they're still <laughs> open, but I'll I'll, look, I'll I'll send you some stuff. But they, that Damn. was like my my go to place when I was at SBA, and I think I put on like twenty five pounds. That I, eat, I know, right? For sure, <laughs> it's like Belgium style. Um, <laughs> all right, next question is: uh, Do you feel you have something to prove? Oh man, nah. Yeah. Me, I, I don't feel like I have nothing to prove. I, I you know, I, I'm one of them guys that just. You know, I'm just living. I'm gonna just live life, and and I'm not trying to prove anything to nobody. I'm just trying to. I'm just not trying. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to prove anything to nobody, and I'm and I am going to uh, just keep creating and and keep trying to not keep making people happy the best way I can. I, I don't like to say mm-hmm. the word "try my best." Why I'm like I gotta not say "try." <laughs> just try one of the words that. That you gotta take out of your vocabulary. Yeah. I think like instead of saying more like trying to prove, I think I'm driven more so to defeat the odds of like of an anomaly of coming from where I come from, but also from my my mother like giving me like the investment that she made in me to try to like to make sure that like I I blow through the roof any expectations that she had because of the sacrifice mm. that she made. So that I, I wouldn't say I want to prove it to her, but it drives me. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because I already know she's proud of me in general, but but it's just because I know what sacrifice she made for me to even be an opp- to have this opp- these opportunities to right. let her know I truly took advantage of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like a full return on her investment in you. Exactly. Like, yeah. right. And some. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, like and, I then, say, pay that for- and then pay that forward for the mm-hmm. next generation. Like, you know? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's more showed. It's more showed and proved. Right. Right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, do you feel like ambition ever gets in the way of your happiness? Not the ambition. I feel like it. it it's like the fuel for my happiness because mm-hmm. because uh, I'm happy chasing my amb- ambitions. I'm I'm happy like going for it. Like the hap like. Even even though everybody's like, man, we we sit down, we can't go outside. Like for me, it's like I'm at home writing like a story that's like got me consumed. I don't even want to go anywhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want right. to. I'll get mad when I get taken off of trying to think about these ideas for the story. <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So, um, yeah, I think it's more like passion is like the spark, it's the fuel for yeah for happiness. Yeah, mm-hmm. or ambition. I feel, yeah, I feel the same way, GK. Deal with that. All right. What's been the key to a long-term successful creative partnership? Uh, no egos. Mm. Yeah. That's that. That's definitely the key. You got to mm-hmm. check your ego. You know, and, and you got to uh, position yourself around people like-minded people too, positive yeah. people. Because you know you can't be partners with everybody. Like it's like your best friend might necessarily be the best part business partnership for you. It definitely has to. It's definitely a lot of factors. 
but like for Queen, I don't think Queen and I like ever thought about whether or not this is going to be the right business partner. I think God just orchestrated that. That was just like, mm-hmm. you know, it just is what it was, what it was. And it, and it worked out, but you can reflect on the attributes that we both have of how we feel that it, the partnership works. And I, and I think to what his point is, it is definitely the lack of no ego. You know, no, we don't care who's shining. If he's shining, that means I'm shining more. If right. I'm shining, that means exactly. he's shining more. It's not about who's shining. It's not about us. It's bigger than us. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And being able to take criticism too, you know, yeah. from period, because because uh, you're not always going to see eye to eye. And sometimes somebody can see things and 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 be able to call you out on stuff. You got to be able to take that. You can't always just get defensive. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, because sometimes people just see things that you're not going to see because you're you're you, so you're consumed in yourself. You're not going to necessarily see or, ha- or have an objective point of view on yourself. <laughs> you're going to mm-hmm. have a bias of view, opinion of yourself. So, yeah, yeah, Co- cooperating and, and collaborating is, is key to you know. So, yeah, that's good. I want to know what your mom's making for brunch. I'm, now I'm getting hungry. Mom, what I'm you curious. made? She made this. What you made? What you made today? Her, she makes these amazing. Man, it's crazy. That's why I love coming home. <laughs> but what you? What you make, ma? Yeah. Just now. Oh, yeah, but she just said she just did an egg, but it's not just the egg. It's like <laughs> right, right, exactly. Huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. She got sauce. She got like a huevos rancheros going on with a sandwich. Like it's a whole another situation. Any, She's talking about just just the egg. Anything <laughs> nah. she can mother make is. <laughs> Good, no matter what. Yeah. It don't even matter. It's crazy. <laughs> What's been the most challenging point in your career? Challenging? Um, put it like this. Everything that's challenging, you, we've learned, you learn to accept it as a reason for like a reason. It, it, it's challenging for a reason. Like Everything we believe happens in life for a reason. So mm-hmm. anything that I would say is challenging is because looking at it in retrospect, I just didn't know the reason why it was happening. So out of me, a lack of my understanding of no, of later, of not knowing the reason, I'd say that things that I would have felt challenging going back would be like at times when I just thought that, you know, we might have a movie out sooner or we might've, you know, have had about five movies by now that cause those things become important to you when you're younger, you just haven't learned enough about life to understand um, and appreciate your position for it, for, for why it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like, you know, now I've learned so much now and what we've collectively learned so much. It would be so bad if a movie came out when we wanted, when we initially would have wanted a movie to come out. Right. And it's like, I couldn't even fathom that now. Like, I'm not saying it wouldn't be good, but us making a movie now is going to be way different than if we would have made a movie when we initially went to LA at 23 24 signing with Charles King at the agency. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We didn't even know story. We didn't even know the principles of, we didn't even know the institution of filmmaking the way we do now. Right. Right. We thought we did. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and naturally I think we're great storytellers by nature. That's why we're here. Right. But then we've cultivated that gift now into something. So like now for this, for us to be putting our first film out now, is gonna is way more impactful and way more meaningful and way more worth it. Like now, I'm so happy that we didn't put the movie out when we could, and it wasn't meant for us to put it out. Like yeah. you know, God, things happen in, in ways that are meant for them to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, think, but at the time, yeah, that was frustrating, like for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I think most challenging is is, uh, is just um, 
staying true, staying true to who mm-hmm. you are. You know, you had to make a lot of sacrifice to do that. You know, when they when they wanted us to do music videos that was just like regular videos, we didn't, you know, we were like, no, we rather do it creatively and come up with a creative concept. So to, to stay true is uh is is where the challenge comes. But like Chike said, what what's what's playing a a a game of pool with somebody uh who can't play pool. That ain't fun. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, we we want the challenge. It's fun mm-hmm. when you when you the ups and downs and you you overcome different things. That's that's what make life fun. That's what make our career and everything that we do fun. So, you know, that's how that's how I look at it. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I have a ping pong table, and I'm like, yeah, we're right. playing against someone who's not that good. It's like, okay, like, what, right. <laughs> I'm not growing. I'm not getting any better. And then it's like, exactly. it, it's those moments of that you know force you to be resilient are the things that forge yeah. you. Nice, yeah, for sure. Is there is there anything you're struggling with right now? Um, I mean, I'm writing a screenplay, and I don't think mm-hmm. I'm struggling, but you know, it's. I'm learning how to write a screenplay while I'm writing it. And, mm-hmm. and, um, so that, you know, that's a, that's a little bit of a struggle and it's taking me forever to do, but you know, I, I, I don't look at it that way. It's like working out when I start working out, I don't look at the time. You know right. what I mean? I just work out and then I'm done, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm not looking mm-hmm. at the time it's taking me. I'm just, just continue to make sure I do the right, let me make the right, um, screenplay for what the story that we want to tell so that's you know yeah and we're like we're also right we're writing we're developing a series right now mm-hmm. and so like it's not like you get the series and it's in your mind even though even though you do have an epiphany and you think of the whole an idea and, and it's all dope but when you got to go build out like the pitch bible it's like you still have to you have to go so deep you still get i wouldn't say stuck you're trying to develop the best story as possible so you're you're just digging and digging and digging and digging. So it becomes challenging because you just want to create the, you know, once you put it down there, if that's going to be the thing, that's going to be the thing. You want that to be the best thing you could possibly think of. So you want right. to think of a hundred different things and then pick, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That one thing. So. And doing all that work yeah. to, to mine the best stuff. Right. Right. How, how many so, yeah, pages the mining is the, is the challenging Bible. part? And it's just because it takes time. It's like, you know. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything people get wrong about you or your work? Yeah, some people think it's easy. I think sometimes we can make things look kind of easy. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Exactly. That's, that's uh-huh. so people definitely. It's like you'll be every time somebody comes into the circle that's like not a director or a creator. All of a sudden, they want to be a creator or a director because you just make it and look like it's like me going to the oh I can play ball. You know, it's like me watching basketball game on TV. Oh, I can play. And mm-hmm. then you go to a game and you see what motherfuckers is doing. Like oh nah, yeah. <laughs> like that's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's another level. So once you. You know, it's another level. Like people can talk about it, but once you get on set in front of somebody, cameras on, time is money's moving. Mm-hmm. What's going? Where, where you at with it? <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Get into the edit room. You got X amount of time. Got to have a rough cut delivered. Stories all over the place. What people don't realize it. So I think that is a misconception that directing is 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 easy. Even it's producing but, any lo- any aspect of it, especially you know? documentary yeah. work. Where you're like, oh, yeah. where's the story coming out of this? And you have probably yeah. hundreds of hours of footage. And I think that's what you guys did a really nice job with Benji about incorporating in animation uh, and, and to help tell that story. I thought that was really yeah. well woven into there. First, just, just identifying a story. People don't understand, like, there's a million stories that can be told, but not a million stories can penetrate. 
There's mm. stories that I love as a, as just because I I might have a I might have like a a relationship to, but they're not stories that it might be meant to be consumed and on on to the public. Right. So you got to pick the right story that can penetrate through the millions of other stories that everybody's trying to get told. That what's the recipe? Yeah. You know what I mean? What's your who's your protagonist? Like what's the journey? You know what I mean? Yeah. And if those things or elements aren't there, like it's not the story, <laughs> you know? It's just, yeah. it's just, it's just things on screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what do people underestimate about you? Underestimate? Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't, but. No, I think people definitely underestimate, I think our talent. I think we're like, in our drive and our, in our seriousness for what we do, I think as far as like, uh, pe- because we're kind of nice and we're, and we have we have fun. We kind of got a youthful like sort of personality. I think people underestimate how serious we are about what we do and mm-hmm. where we're trying to go, and how I think how sometimes how the talent that we do possess, and so we can get undermined. I think at times, you know what I mean, yeah. for that or like people become instantly be, we're friend we're, we're nice, so people instantly become your friend. But usually, like you know how friends treat friends. You don't usually treat your friends like kings or queens as you should. You know what I'm saying? Right. Usually, your friend gets like the are you going to be all right? I'll come back. You cool. We cool. So let me take care of this person for like, nah, treat me like, like give me the best right. treat because I'm your friend. You know what I mean? So I think, but we can't stop. That's who we are. Our personality is that like, it's, we don't want to change that thing about us. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Being, being nice. You know, people go, Oh, well, they'll be fine. They're cool. They'll do it for this. They'll do it for this, this budget. They'll do it. They'll whatever. Do it for- it's like, Oh yeah. But well, then how do you, is it like, is it hard for you to switch to be like hard ass business mode? Or nah, is it, I just put your manager on. That's why you get a manager. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Smart. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. It, you got to have someone to play bad cop. Somebody play bad cop. You, you guys can I mean? be the two good cops. It's fine. Exactly. Uh, what's your biggest fear? Fear? I have no fear. Really? You know, yeah, I, 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 you could either like, like, um, like Will Smith said in the movie. He said, uh, "Danger is real, and fear is a choice. You can choose to be scared. I have no, because I have a lot of faith and confidence, and 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 you know, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That I'm not scared of nothing. And I've seen and been through so much in Chicago, where I'm like, he saved me from a gun to my head twice. You know, he saved me from getting a, a car accident. You know, uh, getting hit by a car with my bike. I don't. I just don't have any any fear. I would, I, when I when I heard that from Will Smith, I thought about it because I used to be scared of centipedes when I see a centipede. I'm like, this centipede can't even hurt me. Uh-huh. I can kill him. Even <laughs> why am I scared of it? You know, even though it's uh-huh. still kind of creepy to see. But I'm like. <laughs> I, you know, I just got rid, got rid of all, all fear, you know, you th- and it, and it's really that simple when you think like, man, it's not dangerous. Why am I scared? So. Mm-hmm. Wait, was that the, his skydiving video? Uh, no, I think that was in, um, that was in, um, the, the, the movie with him and his son, not, not, um, not, the one, not that one, oh, but okay. the other one, the next one after that. Okay. Well, he also yeah. had that, he had this, uh, that video of, him going skydiving with his family uh, and it's super inspirational about like everything good in life lies on the other side of fear. And, uh, right. oh, yeah. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty great. How about you, Chike? 
Um, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna stay page with Cootie, but I, I can't say that I was always like that. I definitely had, had, I definitely had to grow to that spiritually to get to a point to where what's for me is for me, and that's kind of where I'm at with it now. But before, I would say my biggest fear would have been like just running out of time to execute um, the ideas that are that are in my mind that are gonna make the impact that I want them to make. So, but now I'm okay if they do or they don't. But I'm confident that they will. But like I said, I, there's I'm out of I'm not in control. You yeah. realize, when something like this comes along, you really realize you it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, and and and, it, and it's actually irrelevant. Like it, in the large scheme of things, it really just doesn't matter. We really just work because we're because we feel like a lot of times we have to find something to connect to that's gonna earn our keep to survive at the end of the day. Like, you know. Yeah. So none of this shit really, really matters at the end of the day. Things that do matter really matter. And you, it, what matters right now is, is, is if you, if your main, wherever your happiness is coming from right now, like that's what matters. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Especially through all this, it's like yeah, making, the, right. making the most of each day. Like we're, we're having spontaneous dance parties over here. Uh, just yeah. to like, just to, just to have fun. And it's like, you know, create mm-hmm. some new traditions, which mm-hmm. we'll probably still keep mm-hmm. doing after this, you know? Right. 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 Um, let's see. Uh, are there any ways that you self-sabotage? Self-sabotage. Yeah. Like, like you procrastinate. That's my big thing. I used to, but I more try to get on top of stuff now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, but, but some, yeah. I think maybe sometimes I think with both with both of us is is maybe being too nice at times. Yeah, I think that's yeah. self sabotage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, too nice and too giving sometimes yeah. that it could that it can yeah. they can actually hurt you and not knowing yeah. that it will. You know, right. and, and and that's something that is in our character that we can't even take away. You know, it's just like we don't you don't want to not you don't want to become the opposite, but then it can and also can. Uh, can uh, hurt you in, in certain ways, but you know, God got us. So I'm not even worried about that much, but mm. do you, do you have any regrets? Nah, if I could do everything the same way, I'm talking about everything the same way to get me where I'm at right this second, I'm gonna have to do it the same way because this is where I'm at and I'm, and I'm happy and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm happy with life right now. So I don't want to take away nothing. The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is, I, I'm happy the way it happened because it was supposed to happen for me to be right here talking to you on this on this uh, Zoom. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I feel like actually that'll be like a good. That's like a like that question is a dope premise for like an episode of like Amazing Stories. It's like, do you have a regret? Yeah, I have a regret. Okay, you guarantee you're, you're you're granted a wish to go back in time and change the one thing you regret. Right, man. That's dangerous. That yeah. one thing that you regret, it might have a domino effect that might be totally least of what you expect and right. take you down mm-hmm. a path that is horrible. Yeah. Although That's- for that one moment, it might be amazing, but right. the domino effect of that moment can be treacherous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I think yeah. we're going to have to bring back uh, Back to the Future. You guys will have to direct it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Right, you know? Exactly. That's exactly that's the end of the premise. Yeah, it is. Exactly. Like, yeah. You don't want to mess anything up. It's, don't mess it up, man. We like it now. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anyone who makes you jealous? 
Now, I'm not a jealous person, yeah. so I wouldn't yeah. say that. There's definitely people that I think inspire me, mm-hmm. though, but nobody really makes me yeah. makes me jealous. Who inspires you? Man, I'm inspired by. I'm inspired. I'm, I'm inspired. I'm inspired by anybody over seventy years old, because I was thinking about that the other day that they're still here. I don't care. I don't care if you homeless or if you rich. You're here. I mean, you survived. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a lot. We we underestimate uh, the value of survival of being able to. I mean, there's so many things that can take you out at any given second. So the fact that somebody over seventy is still here and push through all this, I like. I'm yeah. that inspires me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I love that. My mm-hmm. my conversation last season with Jeff Staple is like, your only job is to stay alive. Right. Like, <laughs> for That's real. It. That's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. How many, and no how matter many, how you do it, people, everybody got their different way. Like, mm-hmm. if you're happy and you're past 70, dude, I don't care what your situation is. You're happy, you made it. <laughs> you're it. here. You, you, know won, you won the game of life. You won the game. Yeah. 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 Any, anybody make you jealous or inspire you, Cootie? I mean, uh, more inspiring because I have je- yeah. jealousy is not a quality uh, of mine either. But yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I I tell you who inspired me. Richard Pryor inspired me. You know, to even do what I'm doing and Bill Cosby and all of those guys uh, that that I watch coming up, Ernie Barnes and you know, Kanye West for 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 lack of a better word, Damon Dash. You know, Chike. You know. I get inspiration from multiple people, yeah. multitudes of people. Uh, mm-hmm. You said you were you were shooting all that footage for a Kanye documentary. Are you mm-hmm. you, you still waiting? To, did you ever release like a full documentary on him, or are you waiting for the story to keep going? Yeah, I mean, it seems like we got to end it. So you know, hopefully, we get to you know the the world get to see all of what you know, see the growth of this of this of this of this person I just said it who inspired me. So, yeah. you know, that, that, uh, that is uh, definitely the plan. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Cause I, th- I feel like we got an ending now with, with him, you know, going full circle with Jesus is King. So mm-hmm. I think we, uh, yeah. It all comes together. Um, only a couple more questions here. What do you done? What, what do you want to do that you haven't done yet? A feature yeah. film. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> A feature film is something that 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 we that we that we want to do that we haven't done yet. Um, you, you, what you think, Chige? Yeah, definitely a feature film. And, and, and like the most immediate doc, thing, or, I think. No, a do- feature narrative. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, we 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 got some stuff in the works. Um, Cody wrote uh, screenplay based off of the well, not, I wouldn't say based off, but inspired by uh, Benji Doc Southside. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, really, really ready to make that, turn that into a narrative feature. So that's the most immediate, like, you know, yeah, thing that we want to accomplish that we haven't accomplished yet. Yeah, that's a good goal. Uh, mm-hmm. What's been your proudest moment? Hmm. I think for me was, 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 was um, when we, when we premiered Benji at, Tribeca and uh, my father and my mother and everybody was out there and they got to see that. He got to, you know, see uh, and meet um, 
Robert De Niro, you know, so I, that That's was cool. a, a proud moment for me for my, you know, to see my pop, see all of that happening. Yeah, and that's that pretty cool. One of my I think moments. like for me, I feel like it's, and it's not even something I really care about, but for whatever reason, I didn't realize that I actually cared about it was when we won the NAACP Image Award. What it wasn't so much about the award, what it was is, was about being recognized because it felt like we worked so hard and pushed so hard and went through so many hoops. And for somebody to actually recognize our work, it, it, to me, like, it felt good because it felt like not that it matters that anybody recognizes your work, but yeah, I mean, when you work so hard, it just feels good sometimes to, to, to just get recognized by your peers for the work that you're doing, you know what I'm saying? To know that it's actually making impact, you know? So I think that was like a proud moment because it's such a, a, a prestigious award to the be bestowed amongst that legacy. And then I remember I went to like, the thing that really, like it wasn't even that, it wasn't, I didn't even really have that feeling the moment we won it. It was actually when I went to the African-American Museum and I went and saw the history behind the NAACP Image Awards and to know that it was part of that, that's when I was like, oh, dang. That's when it hit me. So that's cool. You, you brought say, that. We, yeah. I was gonna say real quick when you say you know, okay, meaning that we don't we don't make we don't make our projects to, to right. win awards. We make yeah. them for different reasons, but it's a it's, it feels real good when you win or yeah. get nominated or get noticed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Get like, noticed or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it's so easy to keep grinding and then like wondering if it's you know if it's having the impact that you want to have, and you see it with people responding to the films, but. Um, mm-hmm. It's got to be nice to be recognized. I, I think it's great that you just brought up uh, the National African American History Museum because uh, yeah. I, I just had today's episode that came out, which I'm dating this, but um, today's episode that came out was Jonathan Jackson, who works for has a studio called We Should Do It All, and they designed the entire third floor of that museum. Oh wow! And, and his that's proudest, crazy. That's his the floor that I think that the- with sports yeah, and film ahead. and all that. Yeah, yeah. And he said his proudest moment on overshare he said was going up the escalator and seeing that floor and the stuff he'd been working on for three and a half four years being there and then seeing presidents walk through and the nba walk through and oprah walk through it and he's just like yeah "Yeah, it's not going to get any better than this yeah that's crazy yeah Uh, that's crazy that's cool uh you go over you're gonna say i love that museum but that's all i love that museum i want to go back i feel like you got to go back several times to really appreciate it but i haven't been yet but Definitely want yeah, to get down there. Go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is success to you? Happiness. Mm. Happiness. Success is happiness, and and that you know that when you say happy, that that that's a range of everything. That's every you know happy about life, love, uh, my relationship, my family, my my uh, everybody. So it's just happiness. That's success to me. Yeah, I'm a, I kudos like that. Ditto with that. <clears throat> if a genie granted me one wish, that'd be the one wish. That's the one wish that trumps every wish because it's the only wish you need to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything that's everything's gonna be curated for you to be happy. So you, it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything's gravy. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, what would Cootie and Chike from 15 years ago think about Cootie and Chike today? I mean, I just tell you one thing real quick about uh, that. I'm just, I thank God every day that I'm that I'm responsible. <laughs> you know, I think 15 years ago, 
I wasn't as responsible as I am now, but I thank God every day for for, for me being responsible. So mm-hmm. I would just say that from my end. Yeah, I'd be like, I'd look back and look and be like, man, I'm proud. I'm proud for for them. I'm, I'm like, man, I'm proud. I'd be proud that that's what I turned into, and that's the avenue of decisions that because at 15 years ago, me like. It is so many just avenues it could have gone. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm mm-hmm. glad I just went into this direction. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, finally, the last question: How are you feeling right now? Man, amazing. Yeah, I'm amazing. happy. I feel you good. Know, I feel blessed. Right, like blessed. Exactly. Blessed and highly favored. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, like, in which we are a lot blessed mm-hmm. and highly favored. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. You know, I was inspired by your workshop, you know, a few months ago and even more inspired now. And I uh, look forward to seeing uh, a, a kid from Coney Island. Yeah. Yes, uh, yep. Coming yeah, out. It'll be out. It'll be out when this episode's out. It'll be out. Yeah. 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 So it'll still be up yeah, on the platform. So and Amazon. Go, to Apple, go to Apple uh, and, and, and Apple TV. All right. And Chike. I was going to say, if anybody want to follow us, is my Instagram is at Cootie Rock. C-O-O-D-I-E-R-O-C-K and uh the official Cootie and Chike is um is uh, our our director's uh Instagram and Chike is Chike, you can tell me yours. Yeah, and I'm at Koza, C-O-Z-A-H. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'll put links to all that in the uh show notes so people can check you guys out, follow you, watch your films, which are amazing. And uh most importantly, Chike, have a great birthday, man. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Just thank you. A huge thanks to Kudi and Chike for your positivity right now. It's much needed and appreciated. And I'm looking forward to grabbing a craft cocktail with you guys uh, someday, hopefully very soon. You can check out their latest film, A Kid from Coney Island, about Stefan Marbury on iTunes, Apple TV, Vimeo, or Amazon. It's out right now. And please subscribe, rate, and review Overshare. If you made it this long, I know you liked it. So uh, hop on any of those places you listen to podcasts and can rate and review, and please give us one. Uh, We hugely appreciate it, and it's the way we can rise up in the rankings and help other people discover the podcast. Uh, Now, also a thank you to our audio engineer and editor, Jesse Peterson, and the team at Second Child in New York City. I miss going into your studio, but hopefully we can get back to that soon. Uh, Also a thank to Moira Spahich, our producer, uh, thanks to Eugene Ong and Gabby D'Amato for the Overshare branding. And Eugene is the all-star. Every week he's cranking out these collages. He's hand-cutting people's photos and, and, and workout and making amazing collages with their sound, sound bites. You can check it out on our Instagram, at Overshare Talks. Uh, he's been doing it for every episode this season, putting a ton of time and a ton of work into it. And I just love all the positive feedback we've gotten. So uh, if you check it out, send Eugene some love at Eugene OBJ and let him know how much you love it as well. And finally, our theme song is Let It Grow by Caleb Grow. Now, if you are creative or hire creatives, we'd love to have you join us at Working Not Working. We are a curated community of the best creatives in the universe. And this is the best and the best in the industry doing all of the world-changing, culture-making work. Uh, companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Nike, Spotify, Droga5, Widening Kennedy all use Working Not Working to hire freelance and full-time roles. So if you're one of those incredible creatives or you'd like to hire incredible creatives, join us at workingnotworking.com. 
And that is it for this episode, episode nine of the season. We got one more after this. So uh, please don't touch your face. Stay home if you can and take a minute to reach out to someone and check in on them. We'll get through this. We just got to do it together. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.